So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, start in verse 22. Uh, the writer here writing about the Lord, about Jesus. And he says, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So tonight we'll try to finish up on this thought to the uttermost. Would you pray with us one more time? Lord, we love you tonight. Thankful once again for your presence. Lord, we give you honor for the privilege of being in your house. Let our hearts hear you tonight, God. Let us hear what the Spirit would say, Lord. Let it find good ground in our heart, Lord. We want to be changed. We want to be better. We want to be what you've called us to be. And we, Lord, we need to believe in what you've done. So help us tonight, Lord. We're going to praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give him a hand, clap, and shout of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you can say that Jesus has changed my life, you're beginning to realize that Jesus can save to the uttermost. If you know that you are different than you were, then you are beginning to understand that Jesus saves to the uttermost. He doesn't halfway do anything. We know the scripture we quote many times that uh, for him that began a good work in you will perform it. You can be confident of this very thing, knowing that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We know that uh, he finishes what he started. That's why he could say, hanging on Calvary's cross when he was coming to the end of that plan here on earth, it is finished. He had finished the work that was uh, for him to do, and he had finished defeating every foe and enemy that we would ever face because he was tempted in all points as we are, but without sin. And he took everything with him to Calvary so that he could destroy it there. And so he said, it is finished. So whatever it is that is going on or bothering you, uh, that works against you, uh, when you come to Jesus, it is finished. It, it, it's not just in time out. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, it's not just grounded for a week. It, it's, it didn't just have its phone privileges taken away. It is finished. He makes an end of those things. He came to destroy sin. He came to destroy the hold that it had on his creation. He didn't come to just smack his hand with the ruler and say, uh-uh. He come to destroy it, to get rid of it, to make sure that we could actually be free. Jesus delivers to the uttermost. He is a priest. 
what the writer was writing about in Hebrew. He is a priest, but he is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He uh, is not like the priests that it mentioned. It said they could not continue because they died. There were many priests in those days. Aaron was a priest, and we know that there were many priests for Israel in those times, but they all passed away. But Jesus lives forever. He is alive forevermore. He continues evermore, and his priesthood is unchangeable. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be that high priest that we can go to in our time of trouble. And so because of that, in verse 25, it says, He is able because of this also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. When we come to God, it's meant to be a complete work. It's never meant to be done halfway or half-hearted. That's why we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. We're supposed to uh, have no other gods before him because he did not intend to do a partial work. But get this, as powerful as the salvation of Jesus Christ is and what it can do in our life, it can never fully accomplish what we want to see if we don't participate. We've got to believe that when Jesus comes to set us free, he came to set us free indeed. He came to make sure that we could be free, new creatures in him, that we could be born again with a new life. Listen, we've got to walk in what he has uh, provided for us. He told one man that was laying by the pool, he'd been laying for 38 years. He said, will you be made whole? He started making excuses. Well, I don't have a man to get me to the water. I didn't ask you about the water, and I didn't ask you about a man. He said, I ask you, will you be made whole? I am talking to you about you. What will you do? And he said, will you be made whole? And he told him, of course, again, the excuse. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. He had the ability to change, not just uh, uh, his, the physical nature of what having Jesus spoke to that man's body. It was now able to do what it had never done in 38 years. He could stand. He could leap. He could run. He could walk. But he could choose to just lay there on that mat. He could have said, oh, I've been here so long that I'm just used to this. And this is just what I am. But friend, it's not about who we were. It's about who we are now. Who are you in Jesus today? And Jesus came to make sure that we understand something, that we can be completely set free and delivered, that we can be saved to the uttermost. That man, he was healed. He was whole. But none of that means anything if he doesn't get up and walk we will never realize the fullness of what Jesus wants us to do if we don't do what he said to do. There's more than just him coming to perform a miracle, but we've got to do what he said to do. When Jesus told him to rise up and walk, his miracle was predicated on whether or not he would actually get on his feet and start taking steps. And when we are born again and we want to enter into the kingdom and see the kingdom and do the things of the kingdom, then we've got to walk by faith. We've got to learn to live every day by his word. We've got to believe that God is able to save me to the uttermost. The words that he speak, he said, they're spirit and life, but they will never move me if I don't obey them. The word of God does not force me. It does not drag me. It does not prod me, but it leads me by the spirit. 
but to be led, you've got to be willing. You can drag a horse, but that ain't leading it. You got to lead it. It's got to walk. If a horse, some of you got horses, they decide they don't want to go, they ain't going. You ain't strong as a horse. I ain't. And, you, and, I, and I sure can't even drag him. But if he don't want to go, he can just sit down and say, you can pull all day. I ain't going nowhere. But there's water. But there's food. I just won't drink it. I won't eat. And that's the way it is sometimes. We think that simply because Jesus existed that we're going to automatically be completely better. Oh, we wouldn't be better without him. That's the truth. But until we are willing and obedient, we never eat the good of the land. We've got to do what God uh, came to do. Uh, we've got to do what he said we need to do. He came to provide a complete deliverance for mankind. He didn't do away with our humanity. He didn't do away with our struggles. But he did do away with what had us. The chains fell off. Here's what happens. Is that sometimes we are so used to that life. That even though we know Jesus did something different in us, we're so used to feeling bound that we think we are still bound. And so we do the things that we used to do. But we've got to remember that the door has swung open wide. I saw a story, a meme, a video or something, and they had this uh, animal that had been in captivity in a cage for so long. He was a wild animal, supposed to live in the wild beautiful creature and they went and they opened up the door and it would not go out the door the door was wide open the access to they they, they took it to a place it was in a in a cage and so they took it somewhere to release it and it wouldn't come out it was so used to the view of the bars it was so used to that confined space that it didn't realize i can actually walk through right here but these people had brought it here to set it free, to let it go, to take it out of a room, take it out of a cage, to, to make sure it had a place to roam and a place to go. But it was so conditioned that it didn't realize that the door is open. But Jesus is the door. And we can enter into freedom through him. We can enter into new life by him. But sometimes he's got the door wide open. And we're so used to it, we don't realize he did wash me. He did fill me with his spirit. But I'm so conformed to the condition of my first life that I don't realize that I have been set free. The choice not to do the things that I used to do is on me. God did not take away that, that flesh or that humanity. That would, he would be uh, re removing stuff out of us, making us less than human. God did not make us less than human. He gave us the power to overcome, to endure, to defeat temptation. Church, we can do it. We don't have to go back to the weak and beggarly elements, as one writer said. He said, after you've known God or been known by God, he said, how is it that you turn back to the weak and beggarly elements? You don't have to do that. You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You felt it when he washed your body in, in water and the blood cleansed you. You felt it when the Holy Ghost moved in. And that is that new life. And now you can start living like you have a new life. 
Yes, you will be tempted. Yes, you will be tried. But yes, you can beat it because Jesus saves us to the uttermost. We've got to believe that it can be different. I mentioned it on Sunday that, that you know, when we read in Isaiah, he said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are scarlet, they'll be white as snow. There can't be any more difference than that. You used to pour out some red uh, food coloring on the white snow. You'd say, man, that's, that just ruined that white. It's gone. But, but man, he said, I'll take that stained garment. And he said, and I'll make it white. It'll be such a difference. It won't resemble it. I'm not going to make your garments pink like you wash red socks in a load of white towels. I'm not going to uh, make it off-white. Off I'm going to make it whiter than snow. I'll, one place it says he, he washes us whiter than any fuller. Now our garments would be whiter than any laundry person. Anybody that does that stuff could make them. He makes it so white. He said it's got to be uh, a difference like light and darkness, night and day. It's going to be that different. And so I've got to believe what the Word says, that I am now different. I'm not, you know, we were in darkness. Now we're in light, not shade. We're not in the shade. We're not at twilight or, or in the evening. We are children of the day. We are the light of the world. We're not hid under a bushel, but we are set up on a candlestick so that every man can see our light. They've got to know that God has done something different in our life. Jesus still delivers people today. He still completely delivers people today. He still completely heals. He still breaks every chain. He still forgives every sin. He still washes white as snow. He still changes us today. He still, it's still true. The scripture hasn't changed. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not a refurbished, not a rebuilt, but a new creature. God has done something with our mind. He has done something with our heart. He has done something in our soul that only he can do. He has washed us and forgiven us. He has removed the curse of the sin that was on our life. He's taken that threat of death away from us. He is the everlasting life. The wages of sin are death. But when he forgave you of all your sins and washed away all your sins, the debt left you. But in him is everlasting life. And that's what I'm trying to help us as the church see today is that too many of us, we trip ourselves because we forget that what he did when I prayed worked. What he did when I went in that water worked. And what he did when he filled me with the Holy Ghost, it worked. And I don't have to turn back. I don't have to make no deals with the devil. Friend, I tell you, I can walk upright and serve God in sincerity and in truth. And I can be a new creature in him. I did not say that God's people never stumble or fall. Don't get me wrong. Again, we're still flesh and blood. We're still tempted. We still make mistakes. You can even be a man after God's own heart and have people killed to cover your sin. That's what David did. But he was a man who knew, 
I'm not the same. I'm not going to run from God. I'm not going to hide from God, but I'm going to repent and say, God, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He began to pray and, and talk to God about what he had done, and God forgave him and cleansed him, and David kept on being that man after God's heart because God does a complete work. The story, I mentioned it Sunday, of the leper, one of my favorites. He runs to Jesus after he's been preaching on the mountain. And if you, if you will, or if you, you can heal me. And it says before Jesus says anything, he said he put his hand on him and said, I will. And it reminded me of Brother Harvey's message the other night. And, and I've said this before to us. I said, look, your uncleanness don't bother Jesus. And it don't get on him either. When he's, he's holy and when he touches anything, it's done. It's cleansed. And there's nothing above him. He's above everything. He's above leprosy. But he said, I will. And immediately that man was made whole. And, and he didn't have, uh, you know, well, he, he wasn't three-quarter healed. Yeah, like I said, the other, he didn't have a little bit of leprosy on his fingertip or something like that. No, no. Leprosy was gone. He didn't go back to the leper colony to live, but he went home. He, went, he said, go to the priest. Uh, I couldn't do that before. Well, you can now because you're clean. And I'm telling you, that's what Jesus will do. He'll get you walking in places that you don't walk anymore. He'll get you doing things that you haven't been able to do anymore. Because when he does the work, it is complete. Oh, but I've been a leper so long, I just don't know should I go. But you can. Whether you go or not, it's up to you. But you can. And whether or not we decide to live in this new life, that's up to us. But we can because Jesus completely forgives and Jesus completely heals and Jesus completely makes us new. I have to believe Isaiah 55 and 11 says that his word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish what he sets it out to do. And so when he gave the word about salvation, when he said, I will save to the uttermost, I will wash you and make you whiter than snow, he meant what he said. And so when that word by faith is applied to our lives, it actually works. I don't care how mean you've been. I don't care how bad off you've been. I don't care what you've done or where you've been or who you did it with. I don't care about any of that because God can wash it all away. It doesn't matter who all knows it. God can still change it. In those days, people knew who the lepers were. They knew who the sinners were. One came into Simon the leper's house and said, oh, everybody knew that woman was a sinner. And the leper who's got his own set of problems, said, well, if he really was a holy man, he'd know what kind of woman this was touching him. He did know, but he didn't care because he knew by her faith uh, she's going to be saved. Uh, she's going to be made whole, and she's going to be different, and she's going to go out of here a new creature, different than she was ever before, different. Uh, her faith made her whole. Her faith saved her. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed through the crowd. She wasn't supposed to touch anybody, but she didn't care. I've got to get there because she said within herself, if I can touch him, touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Yes. And guess what? When she touched him, immediately the issue of her blood was dried up 
It was dried up. Before it was flowing, it was an issue. It was issuing forth from her. But she didn't get up and leave that place. And still, oh, it's a little bit still not complete. Oh, no, whole. Whole. Because Jesus said, virtue went out from me and touched somebody. And when my virtue touches somebody, it don't just halfway do something. It makes them whole. It changes their life. It puts back in on what's been gone. Listen, I don't know how much blood that woman had lost, but I guarantee you when she walked away that day, she had as much blood as she was supposed to have inside her body. And it wasn't sick. She wasn't diseased. And she didn't have to worry about losing anymore. Friend, let me tell you, God does it completely. He's able to save us to the uttermost. The word uttermost is uh, made up of two different words. In the Greek, it is pantelos, which means full-ended, entire completion. So Jesus is able to save me fully, entirely, completely. The first word, pas, P-A-S, it means all. You ain't got nothing that he can't handle. Any, every, the whole. All manner of and by all means. Thoroughly. Whatsoever. Whosoever. See, it doesn't matter. Because he's able to say whosoever to the uttermost. He's able to get rid of whatsoever to the uttermost. He's able to thoroughly, totally, completely, entirely wash us, cleanse us, and save us. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. In Revelation, he said, whosoever will, let him come. See, we've got to understand what the writers were writing. The writers were trying to help the church know this. In this letter to the Hebrews, he's trying to let God's people know this is what Jesus does. Israel knew about the priesthood. They knew about the offerings and the burnt offerings. They knew but they needed to know that Jesus was a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. They needed to know that he lives forever and that he won't ever change. And they needed to know that there is a Savior that can save them to the uttermost, that when they come to God, he's able to save them. The next word in Pantelis is tello, which means to set out for a definite point or goal. The conclusion of an act or termination. The conclusion of an act. Whenever Jesus saves you, that chapter of your life is concluded. The old man has been terminated. You are terminated. It's over. It's done. If somebody terminates you from a job, you don't go back the next day and go clocking in. You have been terminated. If you uh, happen to run into a big guy with dark glasses and a shotgun, he says, you're terminated, you're terminated. To set out for a definite point or goal. How many knows that God has a goal for his people? He has a destination that he wants them to get to. He came so that we could be with him. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place that where I am, you may be also. 
And when I come back, I'll, I'll gather you up and, and, and bring you. I'm going to take you. I've got to go. I've got somewhere for you to go. It also means an impost or a levy, which is a tax. But it, it's not a tax on us. It's, it's a tax as paid. It's been paid. The debt you owed has been paid. You hear what I'm saying? You were on, I said the old song, we were on the auction block of sin. And the devil had the highest bid. And the world had the highest bid. And our flesh had the highest bid. And it was going to enslave us permanently. But Jesus paid it all. He paid that debt so that we could be saved completely. He could free us from those things. Jesus paid it all. The Bible says God purchased the church with his own blood. That we are the purchased possession and that we were bought with a price and that we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. We have been redeemed. To be redeemed means to compensate for the defects of. When the blood of Jesus was applied to our life, when we believed it by faith in his name, when we went down in that water, we were redeemed. And it compensated for our defects. It made up for, we always say, well, I didn't feel worthy. That's right, we didn't. But the blood, it compensated for our defects. Yeah, we, we might not have been worthy, but the blood made us worthy. Oh, and you know what? Maybe we weren't worthy, but God said we was worth it. Rescue, justify, vindicate. Reminds me of what Paul said, such were some of you. We've got to get it, church. Such were some of you. He said, but now you are. We've got to stop worrying about who we were. But who are you? Do you hear me? You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So I'm asking us tonight, who are we? I don't need to know who you were. Don't care who you were. Who are you? What did God do in your life? How did he change you? How did he save you? Who are you now? You've got to be able to stand up even with the memory of who you were and say, I am now a child of God. The Bible says we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness that we are the children of God. Beloved, now, 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 now are we the sons of God. But you can't say that if the blood don't work. You can't say that if the spirit don't work. But we've got to be able to stand up even in our humanity and by faith say, now am I a child of God. You've got to lay claim on who you are. We belong to him. We've been adopted. The Bible says we're all brought into one body by one spirit. The spirit adopted us into the body. We've been grafted into the vine. Friend, we are his. We belong to him. We've got to believe that Jesus saves to the uttermost, that he can do what he said he would do. In John chapter 8, we, we quote these things a lot of times. I just want to show you what the writers were writing and what they were saying, and hopefully it'll help you get what Jesus is trying to tell them even back before he went to the cross. In John chapter 8 and verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews, who believed on him. He was talking to the Jewish people, the ones that believed on him. 
If you will continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you should be made free? It's amazing how short their memory is. We were never in bondage to any man. What was those 400 years in Egypt? Yeah, what were those 400-something years in Egypt? Y'all forgot about that? What about that 70 years that you spent? Yeah, they, they, it's, it's funny. When people are trying to be self-righteous, I ain't never had no problems. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever. Listen, but the son abideth ever. What did the writer in Hebrews say? That Christ abideth ever. And that's why he is able to save us to the uttermost. So Jesus was already telling them, the son, this high priest, he abides ever. He's not going anywhere. Even when they kill him three days later, He's going to rise again. So then, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The word free is used a lot in that passage. The first time is when Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The word free there uh, in the Greek is, uh, means to liberate. The word is eleutheru. That's as good as I can say it. I've got it written down. So I could enunciate it. Eleutheru. And it means to liberate. Well, that's great. You should know the truth, and the truth will liberate you. The truth will make you free. It'll liberate you. That's great. To liberate something means it was held captive by something. So he's going to liberate us. But then he says, if the Son shall make you free or, and it's the same word, liberate, you shall be free indeed. Different free, different word. The, when he says, uses it with free indeed, the word is eleutheros. And that word means unrestrained. As a citizen, not a slave, whether freeborn or released. Ephesians 2 and 19 says, that now we are fellow citizens. We're, no, we're not strangers and foreigners anymore, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Jesus was telling them, if the Son liberates you, then you are now unrestrained. free. You've been released as a citizen, not a slave. See, they were in those days, they were people who were actually slaves that believed on Jesus. Of course, they were free spiritually, but they were still servants in a household. But he said, you need to know now that I'm making men free indeed. The word indeed means really, certainly, and of a truth. You've got to believe that Jesus really did set you free, that he really does liberate you, and that now you are unrestrained. You don't have to act. He said, you're like a citizen, not a slave. 
You don't have to act like you still got the chains of bondage from your past on you. Jesus delivered you to the uttermost. He didn't just open the door and leave you shackled to the wall. Oh, I got an open door, but I can't go nowhere. He broke the chains. He got rid of the shackles. He paid the price. He settled the debt. He got rid of anything that could hold you back so that you could walk in the newness of life. And we've got to start living like he did that. Start living like Jesus did something great in our life. Woo! I mean, it's time to be excited about the change that Jesus made. Don't you know, I, I just have to remember in that, that what a terrible time in our country, in our history where uh, men were made slaves. That was the awful, despicable time in our country. But don't you know the joy that those men and women felt when they were actually set free and could go and start living a new life, building a new life, raising their families without any fear? Well, we can start doing that now. When Jesus saves us, I, I don't have to hang back and say, oh, I'm gonna, I just, uh, this is all I know. I got to stay here. Oh, it might be different. I'm sure they didn't know what to do. I'm sure it was a little fearful for them. Uh, we don't know what it's like to be free in this country. We don't know what it's like to go start our own life. And sometimes we don't really know what to do when Jesus brings that change in our life. But I'm telling you, it's unrestrained because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Once you come to him, nothing is impossible if we can believe it. And you can be that child of God. You can walk upright without sin. You can live your life holy and, and godly. You can walk with him humbly and you can serve him like you want to. You can be a better husband. You can be a better father. You can be a better friend. You can be a better saint of God. Whatever it is you want to be, you absolutely, certainly, really, truly can do it. Because Jesus saves to the uttermost. And we need, we've got to stop living like a broke down version of what God intended to be whole. We, we, we've got to stop. Well, everybody, that's good for everybody else, but not me. I can't take that. Because we've got to either believe he does it completely or he don't do it at all. Jesus, you say Oh, I came to God, man, I was so on fire, I was doing this. And man, about two weeks later, I really slipped up. Okay, that don't mean a thing about what Jesus did for you two weeks prior. He completely done it. So get up, dust off, and keep walking in the miracle that he gave you. Keep on keeping on. You keep going, you keep moving forward, you run the race. Paul even said, he said, man, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Uh, he, as, as a war in my flesh is always going to be there. My carnal mind is enmity against God. I've got to bring my body uh, uh, under subjection to the Spirit. And we can walk in the Spirit. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. But if we will live in the Spirit, if we will pray in the Spirit, if we'll walk by the Word, there's going to be less and less times that we fall. Don't go out of here saying, Pastor said, I would, ever, I would never fall. Because I don't want you being mad at me when you do. I want you to know that Pastor said, when you fall, you get up. Because that 
is how Jesus saves to the uttermost. That's the only way you'll hear him say well done is if you get up. You can't present a record of, well, Lord, I lived for you good for five years, but then I failed. But you know, five years is a pretty good record. Yeah, but you lived 30 years past that and you didn't do anything else. You don't get to hold up a resume and say, here's what I did in the times when it was good. Friend, it's always good living for God. So you get up and you keep moving. You believe in what he can do. And so, yes, when we continue in his word, we are liberated because we learn the truth. And then when we know who he is, and the son makes us free. We are free indeed. We are unrestrained. We are as citizens. We are no longer slaves. We are fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. Friend, really, certainly, and of a truth. So not who you were, but who are you? Have you been born again? Then you are his child. Something really did happen inside of you. And yes, you'll have days where you'll cry and wonder, oh God, what's going on? That's going to happen. But you never have to go, did you, did you leave me? Because he don't. Because he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. His word does what he said it would do. In Colossians chapter 2, in verses 10 through 15, and you are complete, complete, complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. All these people that want to tell you, ah, baptism, it ain't necessary. They will never truly know what it's like to be washed in the blood because that's where the blood's applied, through baptism in his name and faith in his name. And he said, we are buried with him in baptism and wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh as he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. How many? All of your trespasses. Now listen to this. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it, to his cross. The phrase in verse 14, the handwriting of ordinances, ordinances means this, a certificate of debt with its decrees. But we already learned that he delivers to the uttermost. And that means that debt is paid because he purchased it with his own blood. God settled it. That certificate of debt that the devil had in his hand, that accuser of the brethren. You don't know what they've done. He took it out of his hand and said, I paid it with my blood. You got no more power over them. 
You got nothing to do with them anymore. I have washed them. I have justified them. I have sanctified them through my blood and through my spirit. Jesus took it to the cross and nailed it there. And that's where it died. It died. It was with him on the cross, the sin of the world. And when they nailed him to the cross, it nailed every one of those things that was against us. It took our debt and it nailed it to the cross. And that's where it died. That's where it was defeated. And whenever you believe the gospel and obey the gospel, not just believe it, but when you obey the gospel, and when you are repenting of your sins, you're turning away, that's the death. And then when you're baptized in his name, that's the burial. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that's the newness of life that you can walk in, friend, let me tell you, and it really works. How do you think there are people that can say, I've been living for God for 60 and 70 years? If it didn't work, but it does work. Friend, let me tell you, you can't live a day if it didn't work. If nothing actually happened, we just go right back to who we were. But we know something changed when we obeyed. And that's what he did in the work that he did. I see the time. I'm going to get there. Here's what it says about what he did. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Not just physical healing, but we are healed from the curse of sin that was tearing our lives apart. He healed us completely. What he did worked. That's what the scripture says would happen when he went to Calvary, that we would be healed by his stripes. Do you believe it today? Do you believe in what the scripture says? It says this about him in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He didn't just open the door so you could get some fresh air. He said, get out here. Get out of this prison. I came to set you free to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That sounds like an end game to me. He said, I'm doing something so there'll be something. God intends on us being something, becoming something. He told the disciples, follow me and I'll make you. You're not just following me so you can just enjoy the show. I'm going to make something out of your life now. When Jesus healed Bartimaeus, he asked him, what, what do you want me to do? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. So he, he prays for him and he says, your faith has made you whole. Go your way. But it says, and immediately he turned and followed Jesus in the way. And Jesus told Bartimaeus, go your way. And Bartimaeus turned and followed Jesus in the way. He said, once you got through with me, your way became my way. You hear? Come on. 
You'll get that in a minute. Jesus said, go your way. So he's got to decide, which way is my way? Back the way I came from, or am I going to go with him? And he started walking with Jesus. He started walking with him because now his way became Bartimaeus' way. And when Jesus touched my life, friend, I, I went my way, but my way, his way became my way. And I started following him because I wanted him to come to do a complete work in me. I wanted him to finish what he started. I wanted to see the end of it, but it would never happen if I just went back to the way I came from. I started walking with him. But some people, they just want to be saved, but they don't want to live for him. And so there's a lot of people who have a new birth experience and they never take another step in his direction. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I can't fathom that, that a man that would die for me uh, as a horrible a death as he did, fill me with his spirit when I wasn't worthy of it, but yet he did it anyway. How could I not now yield my life unto him? How do they turn their back and walk away? And believe me, they do it. Because the scripture tells you in John chapter 6, you'll read, when Jesus was preaching, it said, from that time forth, many of his disciples walked with him no more. They couldn't handle his words, and so they walked away from him. But those that knew him said, uh, we're not going anywhere. Where would we go? Or to who would we go? Because we believe that you are the Christ and we believe that you have the words of eternal life. And they stayed with him. And I'm about to finish, honey, if you want to come to the music. I see the time. It's 8 o'clock. And I had to hurry, but I think I, I, I'm going to make it. Ezekiel 36, some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. The Lord said, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. What, what's going to happen then, Lord? And you shall be clean. Not kind of clean. Not like when you was kids and your mom said, did you take a bath and you just hopped in the water and jumped out and you still stunk like a wet dog. No, he said, I'm going to sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Sounds like God's got a plan. But he also said it sounds like there's going to be some walking involved, some moving to a place that he wants us to be. But he said, we're going to start out like this. I'm going to cleanse you. And then I'm going to put my spirit in you. And that's what's going to help you to walk in my word and live like you're supposed to live. And I'm going to get you to the place that I want you to be, a place that I prepared for you. In verse 33, it said, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be builded. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, 
and the waste and the desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and they are inhabited. Then all the heathen that are left round about you, they're going to know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. God ain't playing about salvation. He said, ain't nothing more serious to me than the saving of my people. But I need my people to get it. I need them to get it in their mind and realize that once I make that change in their life, you know, when he brought them out of Egypt, they still would say stupid things like, we should just go back. At least there was food there. Yeah, and there were whips and taskmasters and probably death. But at least we'll eat good. That's the satisfying of the flesh. They would rather appease the flesh and stay slaves instead of being set free and trusting God that he knew what he was doing. I don't want to do that. I want to trust God. He brought me out. He brought me out. Have I made mistakes? Has, has your pastor made mistakes in his life since he came to God? Absolutely. Has he said things he wished he hadn't said? Absolutely. But I ain't never had a day that ever made me think, man, I'm going to quit God, that I'm going to throw away this new life that he gave me. I trust him. I believe in him. And I know who I was, but I know who I am. I know Paul said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. He knew who he was, but he said, but I know who I am because of God's grace and his mercy and what he did in my life. And you might remember who you were, but you think about who you are because you are who God has made you by his grace and his mercy. And it's time that we just start living like we are who we say we are. Let's stand together tonight. While she's playing, I'm just going to give you a chance to come and pray for a few moments in the altar. Come down and just reconnect with this high priest. Come down and let Jesus touch you tonight one more time. Bring it to him one more time. Say, God, I know who you've made me. That's who I want to continue being. Help me tonight, God. Save me to the uttermost.